Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 106 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here. By the time you get this recording, everybody, Labor Day will be over, but it's Labor Day here in the United States, so Kurt and I are laboring, recording yet another awesome podcast for you, and apparently neither one of us has any good plans for the day, (laughs) except, Kurt, I am going to go get conned at a furniture sale. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's the day to do it to help other people labor so you can labor to buy the furniture. Uh-huh. I guess it's just kind of find a barbecue. And then anyway, happy Labor Day, everyone. And to our international friends, that's celebrating those that labor. <laughs> How's that for a description? <laughs> yep. Yep. That's about all we know about it. I guess we're just terrible. But yeah, it was something passed, to do with that. Yeah, it was passed by probably Congress 2,000 years ago or whenever it was, and it just happens, and we like playing. And the sad note is it kind of tells us that, yeah, summer's about done, Uh and you got to get ready to roll for some reality and changes and school and weather, and yeah. So, And Kurt, I got to say, you've just dazzled us with your knowledge of U.S. history. Um, <laughs> you don't know what Labor Day was, but whatever it was, the U.S. Congress passed it 2,000 years ago. Yeah, I threw the number out there. So I know if we could, took averages <laughs> that you know the country's only been around, what, a couple hundred years. But it sounded good. <laughs> so if <laughs> yeah. you would have called me out on it, people like, oh, yeah, he's smart, 2,000 years Oh, yeah, ago. yeah, Congress of uh, 55 yeah. A.D. Yeah, B.C. Passed. almost, getting into the B.C. So that, yeah, Labor Day <laughs> goes back well into... 200 BC. So there you know. Yep. There's yep. Your fascinating facts. Yeah, look it up on Wikipedia, guys. It's all oh, there. Oh, yeah. It'll tell you on Wikipedia. That's the best place. It's to all there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you're doing, have a happy holiday, even though it's already happened for you. I will probably have some great blunders for you next week because, like I said, I'm going furniture shopping. I'm going to a store that I know for a fact always has signs on every piece of furniture that says on sale, you know, regular price, sale price. But there's never a regular price. We know that that works. That allows you to set the tone. And that's why we've talked on the show before, Kurt, and I'm getting a little on a little tangent here, which is nothing new. But people say, oh, don't make the first offer. But you see that it, at furniture stores, for example, these guys have incredible data. They put the first offer out there. And they know mm-hmm. it's stupid and they know it's ridiculous, but it's so high that they set the terms under which the negotiation is going to happen. Well, that's what Americans get made fun of around the world for their negotiation styles. Like, oh, there's the price. Here you go. (laughs) Without realizing that it can be negotiated. And furniture stores are up there with some car lots as far as the techniques they use. But you could probably go into a furniture store and see all 12 laws of persuasion happening. My favorite one that I see is you walk through and you see one that says sold. You're like, whoa. Mm, Yeah. And hey, whoa, whoa. (laughs) There's a little social validation, a little scarcity all in one. It's a great technique. But... They are under underhanded with some of their techniques, as you know. So, yep. yeah, blunder on. You might have, like, top five blunders that you saw. That's what we need to do next time. I'm going to take my little wireless mic and just kind of have it available because I just think it's going to be some good stuff today. So we'll talk about it on the show next week. But we wanted to uh, cue up the Urkel because you have an article out of the Journal of Midwestern Agricultural Slash Psychological <laughs> Studies. Yeah, our all-time favorite. So here, Urkel go. That's Steve's favorite noise, not mine. But there he is. 
This one, the not so bad, it's the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, so which close. I'm sure everybody on the podcast has a subscription to because, yes. I mean, you can't be a serious persuader not have that one. But anyway, <laughs> it was interesting. They talk about can your personality change? I mean, there's a lot of research on personality and how we see the world. I mean, basically, personality defines us as people and how we interact with the world. And some people say there's four. Some people say there's five. I've seen 16. I've seen 32. I mean, you've studied. You could be a, a red dog, Al, introvert, assertive, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really confusing sometimes to where, okay, was that a dog? No, that was the poodle family, but they were red, <laughs> and they were assertive, but they were introverted. And, and Who has sometimes time for this? What's that? Who has time for this? <laughs> I know. But it's so overwhelming for people. They just shut down. And it was interesting that they did some research on this because a lot of people felt, well, they, oh, you're stuck, you're stuck. And pe a lot of people get offended when they do personality tests because, well, I'm not this, and they don't want to be pegged into this little hole. But basically the personality traits we have as adults tend to grow out of the kind of temperament we had as infants and even toddlers. And what they did found is personality changes still occur. I mean they happen throughout our life. And even we know as we grow old – our personality changes. We become more mature, more agreeable, more conscientious, and emotionally we're a little more stable. So those changes tend to happen. I think we see that in marriages all the time, right? After a while, I think the guy's like, whatever, it's not worth it. And they become more agreeable, and it just kind of changes the relationship a little bit. So they did studies with the, they called the big five personality traits, and they asked people, okay, what traits do you want to change, what you want to do? And they worked with them in weekly sessions, and they remind them of their goal, what they want to do, and they actually saw changes. And it was interesting, as far as you look at the results, they looked at these results, these positive findings, but they said, well, well, be careful that this brief exposure, there were changes to personalities, but they weren't too sure if those changes would stick in the long term, because we kind of have that default setting that we have. And well, sometimes we try to change based on the personality, or maybe there's an important person that we're meeting. And... They took a deep dive into personality and realized, yes, there can be some changes. Changes happen with time. But I think the big picture here is that, you know, we talk about this all the time on the show is how important personality is adapting your persuasion tools. The big picture I've seen as I've taught personality is that some people get so overwhelmed, they don't get it, they don't understand it, that it sounds cool, but they really never are able to apply it because it's just too overwhelming to remember the 16 or 32 yeah. or even the four personality styles. Mm -hmm that they just go to their default setting with their personality and persuade how they like to be persuaded. That's right. That's right. You know, you talk about it happens in marriage, especially <laughs> you just kind of, <laughs> kind of change over time. I've noticed that my wife jokingly said to me the other day that you know, you're getting a little bit more stubborn than when I first <laughs> married you. Yeah, I've been accused of that too. I've been accused of that yeah. and becoming more introverted. Really? Because, you know, both my wife and I, class clowns, very extroverted, running around, wanting to be the life of the party. But I think this public speaking thing I've been doing, you know, doing seminars and speaking for three, four, five days in a row, it takes it out of you. And I guess you don't need it anymore. Anyway, that's my theory to where she says I'm actually more introverted to where, eh, you know, whatever, it's not worth it. I guess I get that feel through seminars, but that's been her viewpoint as far as the change in my personality uh, it does it to you. you speak for a full day i told my wife the other day i was speaking in anaheim and i got done for the day she's all how's your day I said you know love you but i don't want to talk about it i'm just going to say nothing until <laughs> bedtime and i'll call you 
<laughs> it's true. Yeah. That comes back to my, after speaking three days, my post-seminar depression or whatever we called it. Yeah. Where mentally you're dead and emotionally you're frazzled and you've been speaking all that time to where, yeah, I think you just need a couple of days or at least a day to kind of recoup and get back on track. Yeah. I got a marriage joke for you. Oh, oh go. Yeah, this one's for the ladies. So a lady <laughs> uh, puts an ad into the classifieds and it says, husband wanted. And the next day she received a hundred letters and they all said the same thing. You can have mine. <laughs> <laughs> Who have we offended here? Is yeah. it the husband or well, the wives? Well, we got the wives. Oh. Well, we got the husbands there, but this one's for the husband. So we're going to offend the wives now. Uh, a little boy asked his father, dad, how much does it cost to get married? And the father replied, I don't know, son, I'm still paying. <laughs> Yeah, buddy of mine. Right? We just offended every married person. This is good. Yeah, we, yeah. We're equal opportunity offensive people, I guess. We, we are, are equal opportunity. Every... Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. Just, well, you know, if you're alive and breathing, we got to offend you. I mean, it's just how it works. Yeah, a single buddy of mine sent me a bunch of uh, marriage jokes <laughs> yesterday. So there pulled those up while we're practicing talking. Practicing these on your wife, see if they're working. Yeah, I'll go try them, and I'll report next week <laughs> as to what my marriage status is. There you go. Big yeah. report next week on blunders <laughs> and your marital status. Everybody's on pins and needles, I'm sure. So you've been talking about in the article, this transitions nicely into the main topic for the show, almost as if we had planned it, which occasionally we do. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about metaprogramming today because it's probably a little bit more simple of a way to use personalities and some other characteristics so you're not always trying to play bingo when you're talking to somebody and lining them up on a grid and like you said they're a dog and they're red and they're this and that and who knows what's a better way to do this now listeners if you studied the word of nlp neurolinguistic programming you've heard the term metaprograms which is a simpler way to peg just kind of a portion of someone's personality People don't like to hear this, but we usually do the same things in the same situations. We're pretty predictable, although sometimes when emotions kick in, we aren't. But metaprograms are basically habitual patterns commonly used by individuals in most situations. It's how we see the world. Do we see the world through rose-colored glasses? Are we always optimistic? Are we always pessimistic? And if you could just kind of peg even one or two of these during a persuasive situation and adapt, that might be an easier thing than pegging their personality and adapting to everything about their personality or their 32 traits. They're an IBC red 14 dog assertive extrovert. <laughs> How's that one? And it just gets too confusing. And so these are our mental programs that we have. It's kind of a, either our, you could say the glasses on how we see the world, they're filters on how we see the world, or our sorting patterns. They're just part of our personality. And there are over 50 meta programs. And I don't want to go over every single one. If you want to do more research, we can get you more information. But if you could just look at a little meta program, that one filter on how the person sees the world, then you become a much better persuader. So where do we start? You're an insurance sales guy. You're sitting down with somebody. What are the cues? What are we looking for in these patterns that's going to tip us off to something actionable we can do? Great question. Let's talk about insurance. Now, one of the meta programs is inspiration versus desperation. Are they motivated by inspiration? Or desperation, that's important when you're trying to sell somebody insurance. Are they get it because they're scared to death they might die in a car accident? That, or is it inspiration to take care of their family and their grandchildren? That's a big difference because with desperation, you're trying to get away from something. You're stuck in the past. You're trying to avoid some type of pain or punishment. And inspiration, you're moving towards something. There's hope in the future, and you're motivated by some type of reward or boost your self-esteem. And if you can see that, that dramatically changes your presentation and your clothes 
just that one meta program would really, really help you out. Okay, so they're inspired or they're desperate. And I've heard you say before that somebody who's working out of desperation, you certainly want to use that kind of motivation with them, but you can also use some inspiration. But somebody who's inspired, you definitely don't want to come in with any doom and gloom type of stuff, correct? Exactly. So if they're inspired, they're excited about the future. Let's take a real estate example. If they're buying an apartment complex to fund their grandchildren's education, you stay in inspiration. You stay in that meta program because if you bounce to their opposite, then a lot of times they'll have a disconnect and you won't be able to develop that relationship or the trust. Yeah, that really is tacky when you've got somebody who's trying to put the doom and gloom into you and you don't already have it. It's uh, just really tacky and lame. So what's the next step? We, we covered inspiration, desperation. What's the next pattern or, or meta program we should look for? One interesting one is what's called specific versus generalities. Some people just want the specifics. They want the details. They want the exact numbers. If they want to know how much it costs to heat the pool in October, they don't want to say, oh, around $27. No, it's $27.42. And in October, here's the whole year. Here's the averages. Right, That's what they want. They want to know the specifics. How does it work? What's going on? Versus some people don't care. You do those things, it drives them nuts. Their eyes roll back in their head. They're big picture people. Estimates are fine. They just want to see that whole big picture, what's going to happen. And if you can peg that, then it makes a huge difference in your ability to persuade them. Okay, okay, good. So specific versus general. I'm a general type person. Unless I smell a rat, I tend to get more specific, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if I trust the person, it give me ballpark. I don't need to know all the small details here. Is it pretty bad then if you transition from one to the other? You're talking to somebody who's specific in a general way. Is that going to totally curtail the process? Kind of like talking to an inspired person in a uh, desperation uh, you, format? If you peppered a few specific numbers in there, probably would be okay. But if your whole presentation was the specific, the nitty gritty and they want a big picture. They want to see it on the board. They want to visualize it. They're okay with the estimates. Then after a while, it would repel them, yes. Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. What's the next pattern we should watch for? Same versus different. Some people, when they look at something, they're looking for similarities. How does it match? What are the patterns here? Then some people, they look for the opposites. How are they different? What are the discrepancies? I mean, if you showed people four pennies and three were heads and one was tails and you'd ask someone okay what do you notice about this they're like well they're all pennies that would be the same versus the different person's always going to find out that one thing that's different or why it could go wrong right well the three are heads and one's tails we just think differently that way and so if they're always looking for similarities and those patterns you got to stay that versus some people just want to find what's the opposite how are they different what are the discrepancies here what's going wrong what could go wrong and that changes how we persuade and influence also. What kinds of things early on in the persuasion process would tip you off to that? Somebody who thinks along the different mindset. If you were two minutes late, they're going to point that out. Okay. If you didn't have coffee at the seminar, they're going to point that out. I've had these people at seminars run up afterwards and say, you know what, on page 72 in your book, you know what? Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. okay. Right, though they're looking for something, and sometimes you need to give them something that's wrong or something to fight about. They're looking for something that's different, and a lot of times uh, you work a lot with real estate. People use the dirty deed called the setup property, where they show someone a two hundred thousand dollar house that's just rotten versus a nice two hundred thousand dollars house that's so much different. There, the second house looks so much better than the first house. So, I mean, is it safe to say that they're just more of a negative personality? 
you could almost categorize them in the optimism, pessimism. That's also another meta program to where they they just they're looking for things. What's wrong with this? What could go wrong? What are the opposites? That type of thing. That's what they need. That's how they're programmed. Give them a few. They're looking for it anyway. You might as well be the one that gives it to them instead of them creating one in their mind. I'll admit I have difficulty with this personality trait here because to me it's they're just pointing out problems for the sake of pointing them out. Mm-hmm. So w- what do you do here? I mean, you had alluded to the fact that you give them something to find that's wrong so that they can scratch that itch. If they just keep going, what's the solution? They're tough to negotiate. When you have an opposite pair or even two different negotiating together, it is tough because everything's wrong, everything's different, whether discrepancies. A lot of times these are your analytical people that are maybe accountants or finances or internal auditors type people. That's what they look for. That's what they love to find. That's how they're programmed. So if you can give them a few victories as far as they found something, oh, you're right, there is a discrepancy. Oh, you're right, you need to work on that. Give them a few victories. That tends to diffuse them a little bit to where you can kind of keep going through the negotiation or the persuasion process to where you can get them to say yes. So, But there has to be some type of victory in their mind that they found it, they exposed the discrepancy, oh, you're right, let's fix it type of thing. That really diffuses that type of meta program. Right. I would think that a dangerous issue there is you don't want to tip it off so much to where you're perceived as incompetent, right? You, you've got to give them something and control that negativity. But those are kind of people, too. They, I say this because this is my business partner to a T, <laughs> right? If he notices one, two, or three mistakes, then he automatically assumes incompetence and getting anything done is just pulling teeth. Now, that's a great point because you have to watch it. If it's just red flag, like you have no idea what you're talking about versus they notice that there are a couple cents off. It's like, well, you know, I round it up. Well, we don't do that. We go out, right? I'm like, okay, well, we can do it that way or we can follow this model. I follow this formula, but all right, since your standard's this formula, those minor little things that don't hurt your credibility would be important in this situation. And I've kind of noticed with those people too, asking them up front, uh, what would you like to see here? or What are you looking for? That gives you a lot of leverage down the line because they hold you to that kind of stuff. And a lot of times they hold themselves to that standard. So when you provide it, it's harder for them to go back on that kind of stuff. It has worked well for me in the past. What is the next meta program that we should watch out for? We've talked about this earlier. Let's talk about men versus women. There's different programming there. If you're married, you know that to be true. Yeah. Right? The way men persuade men or men persuade women, there's some differences there. Not, not that that's bad. It's good that we're all a little bit different. That's a good thing. Men tend to use more simple language. They don't ask for unsolicited advice. They love praise, and they need space sometimes to work out their own problems. Versus women, a lot of times, they need the undivided attention. You don't give them solutions. You just need to listen, right? That undivided attention. They need that eye contact, and it's not a good thing to say their feelings are wrong. And, of course, we go have a little bit of each of those. That's definitely true. The the men don't want the unsolicited advice. (laughs) (laughs) And we like to give our unsolicited advice to women, and that causes a lot of problems. I'm I'm going into dangerous territory here. Women (laughs) like to give unsolicited advice to men. Yeah, I mean, we go back and forth on that. So (laughs) it's different. I mean, it's the simple things. We could say introverts versus extroverts, right? Right. Extroverts love to communicate. They're public people. They need to -to face-to-face contact. There's introverts who keep feeling inside, they work solo, they love the memos and email. You have logical versus emotional. You know, Logical people use their head, facts, statistics, past history. Emotional people, they use their heart. They're swayed with emotions. They like to go by intuition. 
So if we could pick up just on a few of these and see that when we're trying to persuade someone and adapt to that one meta program that's very dominant that you see right out of the chute, then it makes a big difference in your ability to persuade. All right. So men versus women, an obvious one. And in fairness, like we tried to be at the beginning, we want to offend both parties. I said that women like to give the unsolicited advice to men and men don't like to receive it. Men also like to invalidate women's feelings and that never (laughs) goes well too. So that's the battle of the sexes. It's been going on since the beginning of time. What's another meta tag or meta tag? I'm talking about web design now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. The meta programs of the meta tags. Yeah. One yeah. interesting one is cost versus convenience. Some people, it's just about the cost, the cost, the cost. Some people, it's the convenience. For example, if you go to 7 Eleven to buy milk, it's not for the cost, <laughs> it's for the convenience. You know you're going to pay more, but it's right there. And it's fast versus going to a supermarket and walking all the way to the back and getting the milk. Some people are programmed that way. It's just, you know, the cost, cost, cost versus no, it's convenience. And that could be illustrated, oh, is it the long-term savings versus the small payments? That's cost versus the convenience. Those are some things you can look at. Another meta program is change versus status quo. Some people are always about changing, changing. Want How to improve it, change it, change it, change it. Some people are like, no, we don't change it. Do not rock the boat. It's been this way for 20 years. What are you thinking? And those are things that people have as meta programs. And if you're always trying to change someone who's, no, 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 status quo, this is the way we do it, the way we've always done it, man, there is a big disconnect. And it's very difficult to persuade when there's two opposite meta programs there. Definitely, definitely. Anything else on meta programs before we hang it up? Another quick one is past versus the future. So some people are always in the past, past experience. That's their frame of reference, what's happened, versus the future. Those are people that are looking towards the future, long-term improvement, uh, kids growing up, things that are happening. So some people are just stuck in the past. It's the past versus people are always about the future, what's going to happen in the future. And again, we're not trying to overwhelm you, but if you can just pick up some of the basic ones here, like inspiration versus desperation, specific versus generalities, Introvert versus extrovert, logical versus emotion. All those things are important. So you don't have to worry about the big personality, but if you can see a blaring meta program when you walk into that office, when you start that presentation, you adapt it just a little bit, you will have a bigger connection, you'll have higher levels of trust, and you'll increase your abilities to persuade. That sounds awesome. Good stuff. A lot more manageable than going with the personality types. Uh, and and I see so much of that in there. I mean, really, if you were to break down personality types, each of these is going to be a theme there. But this is, I think, this is a better way to think about it. Good stuff. Yeah, much much easier. And there's just a couple things that you can pick up on. And then as you grow with your persuasion tools, then it becomes second nature. You'll be able to pick up quite a few better programs. Then you can graduate into personalities. But this is just an easy way that you can use right now. That's right. Okay, good. Why don't we cue up the Homer? Homer, go! 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 Okay, so we've talked about it on the show before. Kurt is the one that actually first alerted me to this. And if you have teenagers, this is going to make a lot of sense to you. There is a part of the brain called the frontal lobe that uh, I believe Kurt is responsible for assessing long-term consequences, correct? Yeah, forecasting consequences, those type of things that we don't see too much in teenagers. And it doesn't fully develop until you're, was it 19 or 21? Oh, no, we're in our 20s, 22, 24, something like that. Okay. The last thing to develop, the brain develops from the back to the front, so it is the very, very last thing to develop. That's a problem because people are making big decisions before then. They're making career (laughs) decisions, yet they can't assess long-term consequences. So 
if you're in a career that you hate, <laughs> uh, maybe that's why. Maybe you yeah, made blame the your frontal lobes. <laughs> yep, blame it's all your frontal lobes' fault. That's why people got lobotomies, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is on display. In a way, this teenager that committed this blunder had really no way of knowing it, but it's a good example of not seeing out into the future. Headline from Newser: Teen fakes triplet pregnancy for ten months. <laughs> triplet. Not only is it a faking it, but is it triplets? Okay, yeah. this should be interesting. Yeah. Subheadline: <laughs> She freaked out her boyfriend and received thousands of dollars in donations. I bet it was a good ride while it lasted for the 10 months. So here we go. After discovering his girlfriend was pregnant with triplets, a 16-year-old Michigan boy. A lot of blunders coming out of Michigan lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and usually they're having to do with this kind of stuff. A 16-year-old Michigan boy was prepared to do whatever he needed in order to be the father. I started looking for jobs the best I could, a teen identified as Jordan tells Fox 2 Detroit. I was ready to donate all my time. The only problem? His girlfriend's pregnancy was a hoax, perpetrated with the help of fakeababy.com. We've got to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, that's a whole other blunder Uh right there. Like, hello. (laughs) The 60-year-old faked her pregnancy for 10 months sharing ultrasounds, sporting a growing belly, joining a Facebook group for mothers of triplets, and naming her unborn babies Ivan, Alice, and Isabella. The unnamed girl, identified as being from uh, Wyandotte, received thousands of dollars in donations from acquaintances, a church, a nonprofit, and more. The boyfriend's aunt says there were so many gifts at the baby shower, the girl couldn't open them all. (laughs) Here we go. Frontal lobe. Things started to fall apart for the fake mom to be when her boyfriend couldn't figure out why nine months came and went without a birth. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And the mom was able to unable to confirm that the girl's doctor even existed, and then a number on the Facebook group pointed out that the girl's ultrasound pictures looked just like fake ones available on fakeupbaby.com. Finally, the day before a supposed C-section, the girl reportedly said she'd lost the triplets. She's gone. You know, there's no more triplets. Yeah, just, just evaporate <laughs> into thin air. Just, yeah. This goes on and on, but... Classic example of frontal lobe and long-term consequences. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's seriously no frontal lobe there because, yeah, what are you going to do after nine months? It went 10 months. Yeah. So uh, one did she day have to return time. all the stuff? I'm assuming she did. She should have moved to South America or something because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The, the Apparently the brother, her brother says she really was pregnant but lost a baby at six weeks and she was scared and didn't know what to do and. Wow. I mean, it's it's going to be bad. So, Do you know they're triplets at six weeks? I don't know. I don't, I don't either. Yeah, a lot of holes in that story. Yeah, big blunder. <laughs> a lot yeah. of holes. Hey, you know what? Fakeababy.com. Wow. I don't know if it's like a crank site or, or what it is, but that's pretty bizarre that that site even exists. Yeah. The, hey, let's fake a baby. Let's. I don't know if we want to go down that road. <laughs> there are so oh, yeah. many things wrong with that who would create that, but anyway... Yeah, we don't need them as a sponsor. I'm I'm looking at this. Yeah, we don't care if we offend them. Fakeababy.com, the best gag gifts on earth, home of the $9.95 fake ultrasound. Yeah, it goes up there with the fake lottery tickets. It's it's not that funny. To the person that you're doing it to, that would be up there in that category. <laughs> the mm. websites that exist. It's mm. just shocking. And, and this is probably not even close to the worst one out there. All right. Well... That's a, a semi-depressing and funny way to end the show. Kurt, any other comments before we wrap it up today? <laughs> Main thing, hopefully you learned today, 
Your default setting is you persuade how you like to be persuaded. If you can look for those meta programs, if you can adapt to their personality, it makes a huge difference in your ability to persuade and influence because now you're helping them persuade themselves. There's a bigger connection, more trust. It just makes the process so much easier. That's right. We're going to wrap it up today. My wife is like uh, eight months pregnant, so I need to look at the ultrasounds on this website and <laughs> and make sure we're good here. <laughs> Maybe better upload a few or see what's really happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, if uh, nine months comes and goes, then we got yep. a problem. Christmas time, we know something's up if you haven't had that baby yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening. And one more time, too, the offer is still out there. Leave us a review on iTunes. You just need to go to iTunes on your computer and uh, type in Maximize Your Influence. Leave us a review. Send us an email to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com, letting us know you left a review, what your name is, and we will send you lots of cool stuff, all for the cost of less than a Honda Civic. In this instance, a free, which is less than the cost of a Honda Civic. That is less, yeah. Offer's still out there. Keep at it. We appreciate those of you that have already helped us out there, and we'll catch you next week on another episode. See you next week, and persuade with power. 